Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. Imagine, if you will, you're in a nightclub. It's 1939. A 24-year-old singer named Billie Holiday stands under a spotlight, a gardenia in her hair. Southern trees bear a strange fruit. And if you're imagining you'll hear a love song, blood on the leaves. think again. And blood at the root. Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. Strange fruit hanging from the poplar tree. Strange Fruit, the song that dared to speak openly and graphically of lynchings in the South, is ripe for rediscovery. And it is being rediscovered and remembered. I really wondered how this song ever happened. I knew there had to be a story behind it. David Margulik's new book is the story of the song Strange Fruit. I was impressed that it was written. And I wondered how, in 1939, it could have been sung anywhere. And I wondered what would lead a nightclub to stage it and what would have led a schoolteacher in the Bronx to write it. Strange Fruit was written by Lewis Allen, which was the pen name used by Abel Mirapol, a white New York schoolteacher with progressive politics and a penchant for songwriting. Southern tree. Mirapol became better known in the 50s for becoming the adoptive father of the two sons of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg during their imprisonment and after their execution. But this was before all that, in the late 30s. Mirapol took his song to a popular hangout in the village called Cafe Society, where Billie Holiday often performed. Cafe Society was a very bold and unusual experiment that worked. Dan Morgenstern is the director of the Institute for Jazz Studies at Rutgers University. He says Cafe Society was the polar opposite of uptown places like the Stork Club in El Morocco. Black and white people could intermingle freely, and this was unheard of in those days. By all reports, Billie Holiday's initial reaction to Strange Fruit was one of great ambivalence. reluctant to tackle it, and no wonder, because it was so different from anything else that she normally did, you know, to go from, you know, say, I can't give you anything but love or whatever, to, to, to go into something like that. Then the sudden smell of burning flame. But then when when she saw what the reaction was, uh, of course, uh, it became a different story. The audience reaction was monumental. Yes, it was because it was so out of character with the usual nightclub fare, but it was also the subject matter. It was, after all, about lynching, which in 1939, though less frequent than it had been, was still part of the southern landscape, still a bold and inflammatory subject. A lot of this was not in the press. Julia Houghton is a cultural consultant who is co-curator of the New York exhibit of lynching photographs entitled Without Sanctuary. It was easy to pretend it wasn't happening. You know, you might read something about lynching, 
here or there, but it wasn't coming close to home. Strange fruit brought it maybe too close to home, especially when it came to efforts to legislate against lynching. The song upset people so. It was unbelievable, you know. One of the, the southern senators was so upset, he said how obscene it was, the song, of course. Now, they couldn't legislate against these horrible acts, but the song itself was so bad that they didn't want to hear it. It was not much different in the music business. Radio stations wouldn't touch the song, and neither would Holiday's own record company. Columbia was afraid of offending its southern customers. Billy Holiday went to Commodore Records, and they recorded it. Even the Sidney Bechet instrumental version of Strange Fruit, No Words, went unreleased for years after it was recorded because the music suggested the words. But it was the extraordinary Billie Holiday performance of the song that made it and Holiday and Cafe Society the talk of New York. A manager of mine took me to Cafe Society because I wanted to work there. Lena Horne was a young singer just starting out in those days. That's when I heard Miss Holiday sing Strange Fruit. For her, it was filled with memories. My mother worked in Potentio in Miami. Someone in the neighborhood of this show had been lynched, and we were spirited away, fortunately, to safety. But in those years, they still had a lot of lynching in the South. The song, I think, it tells a lot of things about life for black people in those early years, and even in the years before I was born. So, I mean, it's a song about being black and how dangerous and frightening it was to be around. Southern trees bear a strange fruit. It was a signature song for Holiday. Blood on the leaves. Still is. The way she did that song, she put so much feeling into it. The way she phrased it, she elevated it. I mean, she she really raised it to another level. She was magnificent. Nobody could say the words even as Miss Holiday did. It wasn't about singing. It was about feeling things artfully in your soul. <laughs> so you could say Strange Fruit was just a song. Or you could say, as one British magazine did, that it was a song that changed the world. This was not a song that sent people to the barricades. It changed the world in a thousand or 10,000 subtle ways once for every time that somebody heard it and was affected by it. And I can't think of many songs about which one could say something like that. David Margulik's book is called Strange Fruit, Billy Holiday, Cafe Society, and an Early Cry for Civil Rights. Billie Holiday's original 1939 Commodore recording of the song is available on CD. I sang it for many days in my life until I was able to understand that that was part of our country's problem as well as it was mine. I don't mean I sang it out loud. I just sang it in myself, in my heart. For WNYC, I'm Sarah Fishcock.